we found that the Apostle Paul, again, using the analogy of the Olympic Games of his day, he, he said, run that you may obtain. He went on to share in that verse that not everybody that runs in a race wins the race. And so he told those that he was riding to, he said, run that you would win, run to obtain. As he continued to ride, he was very clear that times would come in the course of the race of our lives where difficulty would emerge. And, and so he said, for those times, faint not. In the midst of your well-doing, don't faint, don't quit, don't give in. Yes, tough times will come, but you can keep going. Today we see the value of keeping our eyes on the prize. And for a Christian, the prize in life is Jesus Christ. He's the prize. I often say that it commences in Christ, it continues in Christ, and it culminates in Christ. And by that I mean this, the race of life, the, uh, the life of a Christian, it all begins when we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. When we place our faith in the person and work of Christ, understanding that He paid for our sins on the cross, He was buried, He rose again, we, we've received the forgiveness of sins, the assurance of a home in heaven, that race has just begun. It's commenced. It continues with Christ in the sense that He's running the race of life with us, encouraging us, enabling us, helping us, equipping us all along the way. But we know the end of our race is Jesus Christ as well. When our faith becomes sight, we get to physically, tangibly enter into the presence of the Lord. It's all about Jesus Christ. As the writer of Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. That is to say, He's the beginning and he's the end. And in the race of our lives, Jesus is where it gets started. He's with us along the way. And Jesus is there at the conclusion. Now, as I considered these uh, sermons that we were going to cover, I, I knew that I couldn't stay away from Philippians 3. Philippians 3 is one of the great passages in all of the Bible. Many of you know I love the book of Philippians. And I say a lot of books in the Bible are my favorite. But right now I'll say Philippians is about my favorite book in the New Testament. Okay, It's an amazing book of the Bible. And, and of the entire book of Philippians, chapter 3 is just kind of extra special to me. In fact, this passage of Scripture, this chapter, is, is a lot of the place the Lord took me when He's preparing me to uh, become a pastor and so forth. And, and so I many times look at Philippians 3 and say, that's what God used to help me uh, get in the ministry, so to speak. And, and it's a text that means a great deal to me. See, Apostle Paul wrote these words that we're studying today. They were words that he intended to use by way of an encouragement. The theme of the book of Philippians is joy. And yet the Apostle Paul, when he wrote these words, was in jail. He was in prison. It's just amazing to me that a book would be written about joy from a prison cell. I mean, maybe a beach in Hawaii, I don't know, something like this, but here he is in prison. He's talking to people about what it is to have joy. How can you have joy if you're in prison? You must be focusing on something other than your immediate circumstances. We see that the Apostle Paul, he knew the value of keeping your focus in life and people and situations that could have set his mood for him. Uh, he moved past them. He wanted to be bigger than the circumstances. He wanted to look beyond that. He devoted himself to a life of focus. Through the adversity in his life, he remained filled with joy and he had hope for the future. And as we consider his words today, we can be encouraged. We, we come to understand that when we're living for God, we're victorious no matter what it is we're going through. 
We can be in a great time of victory in our life. We can be in a great time of, of adversity. We could be uh, uh, having great health or maybe in a bed of sickness, so to speak. But we are victorious as we're following the Lord. I love the way Paul, when he wrote in Romans 8 and 37, said that we're more than conquerors. And it's a fair question. What could be more than a conqueror? For us, that's as high as it gets. If you're a conqueror, you're the winner of the winners. But Paul says, you know something, in Christ we're more than conquerors. Paul understood what a victorious life was all about. He was not held captive by his environment, but he had a focus. And it was on the Lord. And as we think of this today, we're going to have an opportunity to see what these words in this text mean to us. And if you have your outline nearby, get it out. And if you have a pen nearby, get it out. If you need one in the chairs, uh, listen, what I have to say is not necessarily genius, okay? However, we're going to really just get into this text, and we're going to have God speak into our hearts today. I'm not God. This is His Word. We know that, but we can be encouraged. What, is, what does Paul have to say that can help us today? Well, he shares with us that he has, first of all, a perspective that is appropriate. I love this thought. How did he begin in verse 13? He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Friends, that was a huge statement. Let me tell you what Paul was saying there. He was saying, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I don't know all there is to know. The Apostle Paul, in the most public way imaginable, writing in a letter that was going to be distributed among churches, says, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. I haven't apprehended. Now let's think about who Paul is and who made this statement. The Apostle Paul. The greatest missionary, perhaps, in the history of the world. The Apostle Paul, writer of more books in the New Testament than any other author. The Apostle Paul, probably the greatest teacher of theology in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was a giant of a man in many, many ways. If ever there was someone who could have been tempted to say, well, you know, I, I think I have arrived. I know more than anyone else I know. But yet his heart was a heart that had, had a, a perspective that was appropriate. He said, you know, I've got a lot more to learn. I believe that a big part of the success in the life of the Apostle Paul came from the fact that he remained humble before God and others. As he shared his resume in Philippians chapter 3, we see that he, he could have taken a totally different attitude. We're, we're in Philippians 3 now, but I want you to move back a few verses if you would. Would you go back to Philippians 3 and verse 4 with me? And we, we're kind of picking this up mid-study, but I want us to see the Apostle Paul kind of sharing his story with these people. And as he's sharing his story, in, in verse 4 he says this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now I'm going to read on, but he's saying there, listen guys, if you think you can brag, listen to what I have to tell you, because I've got more reasons to boast than you do. If you think you have confidence in who you are, let me tell you who I am. And if that's what impresses you, you will be impressed. And so we're thinking, all right, here we go. What is it that he's going to say? Verse 5, he says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now again, I'll read on, but Paul was saying in, in a very Jewish first century way, I come from the right families, I've done all the right things, I've gone to the right places for higher learning, I've, I've, I've been through the things I need to go through in life to come to the place where I can say, if it's a contest, I know more than you, I, I've been through more than you, I, I've learned more than you. He, he says, if that's your basis, I want you to hear where I've come from. He was essentially saying, I've done it all, I've kept the rules, and I'm from the right background. I'm blameless in my behavior. But he didn't stop there. Had he stopped there, his life wouldn't really be worthy 
of our study today. But he went on, and, and in verse 7 he says this, But what things were gained to me, and he had just listed all those, where he was from, what he had accomplished, and all the rest. He said, those things that were gained to me, he said, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. The word dung there is an interesting word. I want you to know that in the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, the word dung means dung, all right? Hey, Paul, I can't believe you just wrote that right there in a letter to church. I wouldn't even say it in church, but he wrote it. I have to say it, okay? It's in the Bible. He said, let me tell you something. If you add all the stuff up I've done without Christ, that's about what it's worth in comparison to the greatness of Jesus. He said, I'm not finding my worth in where I've come from and what I've learned and what school I went to and, and that kind of a righteousness that comes from keeping the law. He said, oh, man, I'm finding it in Jesus Christ, the Lord, my Lord. Verse 9, he said, be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I could read on, but Paul was saying this. Listen, as much good as he had done, he recognized he desperately needed God in his life. I'm certainly not trying to put anyone down today, but with as much emphasis as I can, I want to say this. We all have a desperate need for God's work in our lives today as well. I don't want to put you down. I'm just saying you've got more ups coming. God is a great God. He wants to do a work, and, and he, he can do that. You have to learn that Paul said, you know, I've got a perspective that is appropriate. When I look at my life, I discover I've got more room for growth. There are a few things that's sad to me as, as a pastor is when I see someone going through a difficult time, and, and the heart is one that communicates in essence this, man, I need the Lord's help in this area. I just need God. I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I need the Lord. And you applaud that kind of spirit. And I've seen people with that heart that says, man, I need the Lord for whatever, you know. And, and then God moves in and does that work that only he can do. And the change comes. And it's a great occasion to praise God. And when the victory comes, when the success comes, the attitude that was so humble heading into the problem is a little bit different after the problem. And it kind of becomes, look what I've done. And the emphasis is taken off of God. Paul said, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I have not apprehended. Now, now, in athletics, there is a limit. Father, time catches up with all of us, okay? Uh, the fact of the matter is, physically, there's, there's a point, that I guess it's around age 19, you start producing fewer cells than you're losing, and reach a point in life where you begin to lose that stamina, just maybe not as quick, or you can't, can't uh, run as far, and, and things begin to change. Physically, those, those changes come in, and, and life begins to change. But I want you to know, spiritually, it's quite the opposite. The Bible says that spiritually, we can actually be made totally young every day. We can, we can grow day by day in our lives. I don't know if you've been saved one week, or if you've been saved 50 years or 60 years. Uh, I want you to know this. You haven't arrived yet. You haven't attained yet. You haven't apprehended yet, nor have I. We can grow every day of our spiritual lives. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians went on to say this in chapter 4, verse 16. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians. He said, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, he said, the inward man is renewed day by day. It's made new every day. Man, Paul had a great attitude in all this. He had a perspective that is appropriate, but as we look on, we see a purpose that is apparent. 
a purpose that is apparent. He said, this one thing I do, this one thing. Uh, I, I would hope if I went around this morning and I, I got the, one of these microphones and I just kind of began to interview people and I would say, listen, for, for everyone in the room today, why don't you just tell us what is your purpose in life? I'd hope you'd be able to come up with something, you know. Uh, you, you know, you'd, you'd say something, I would hope. And, and I hope we can articulate our, our purpose in as few words as possible, kind of fine-tune it down. What is the purpose of your life? I'd hope we'd be able to get something out. But I want you to imagine for a moment that I took time to go to your work, to your extended family members, to your friends, and ask them what your purpose is. I wonder if they would know. Now, here's the reason I went all the way around there to say it that way. The Apostle Paul was clearly the kind of guy you could not have spent more than 10 minutes with without figuring out this guy was passionate about Jesus Christ. And he was passionate about the work of missions, starting uh, local uh, churches all throughout that area. It wasn't hard to figure out what his purpose was in life. It was apparent. It wasn't an idle thing when in this passage he said, this one thing I do. He was focused in life like a laser beam on living a life that was pleasing to God. Now, I emphasize as we started this message, he began it by saying, brethren, written to people of faith. Paul's not talking in this passage about gaining the acceptance of God. That comes by way of God's grace. We don't earn that. It is a gift. But Paul had a desire in his life once he'd received the gift of God's grace, once he'd been unconditionally loved and accepted, he had a desire with his life to live in a way that was pleasing to the Lord. You see in Colossians 1 and verse 10, he wrote this. He said, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4, Paul said this, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like me. And by that, I mean this. You would love to say, if someone asks you what your purpose is, that your purpose really is to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. But maybe you're like me in that there have been times where if that would have been your profession, your life would have contradicted what you said you were living for. You say, Pastor, are you, did all those words just say you're a hypocrite? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't ever want to do anything wrong, but I frequently do. I want to live a life where everything I do pleases God. And, you know, the Apostle Paul was kind of a man who said, the overriding emphasis of my life, it's to do this one thing, to please God. But he came to the place in this verse also where he had to say, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, It's important for us to understand that failures or hurts in the past, even successes in the past, can serve as anchors in our life and hold us back. I want to share with you today that one of the greatest lessons you're going to have to learn if you want to go for the golden life is you're going to have to learn how to to forget those things that are behind and move on. Intentionally forget. I heard a story of a guy that was starting to get a little forgetful and he was getting up in years and his family decided he needed to go live in a retirement home and he wasn't excited about it. In fact, he's kind of mad at his family over it. And, and yet he got in there and he made a bunch of friends, started having a great time. And, and uh, he met in particular one lady and, 
he thought she was pretty neat. And they started having all their meals together and going to all the functions, you know, and taking the different classes and so forth. And he just thought she was great. And one day he was overcome with emotion and the great, uh, you know, relationship they developed that he asked her to marry him. And uh, that was quite a question, you know. And uh, it was an exciting moment, a moment that uh, uh, was really something else for him. But he woke up the next morning and, and he couldn't remember how she responded. So he's laying there thinking, I, I know I asked her, I just, and he thought, what do you do? You know, he tries to think, how am I going to handle this? This is, this is very embarrassing, and, and uh, he couldn't think of anything to do, and he thought for him, honesty would be the only policy, not just the best one, so he uh, began to talk to her, and he said, listen, I'm very embarrassed to say this, I'm ashamed to say this, but I know I asked you to marry me last night, but for the life of me, I can't remember uh, if you said yes or no, and she said, I am so glad you said that. Because I remembered agreeing to marry someone last night. I just remember who it was, you know. And, and I, I think we have those times in life where we just forget things in the sense that they slip our minds. But, you know, there are going to be times in our lives where we're going to have to be a little more deliberate than that. We're going to have to intentionally forget some things, put them behind. And and Paul had many successes that could have been the end for him. He learned to move on. He had some huge failures in his past that could have stopped him, but but, uh, he had to learn to move on. In fact, before he got saved, we read of the Apostle Paul in Acts 8 that he was a man that made havoc of the church. Entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. This was a man that had a had a hatred for Christians, for the church, for Jesus Christ prior to his salvation. In Acts 9, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, this way spoke of Christians, if he found any Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. I mean, here's a guy that literally goes to try and get you know, the equivalent of uh, court permission to just take Christians, tie them up, throw them in prison. Friends, you have to learn that there are occasions in life that we just need to leave in the past. Now, I'm not being trite or insensitive to whatever it is you've gone through. I don't know what you've gone through. You don't know what I've gone through. The Lord can get us through anything, but the key in that statement is go through it. Don't, Don't put it in park right in the middle. There are things all of us would have rather skipped out on in life. But it's better to have gone through it than to have got right in the middle of it, and that's where life stops. And for many people, the pressing stops right when they get in a situation, sometimes because of a great victory, and then we become complacent, sometimes because of a defeat, and and we begin to get discouraged. God can get you through that. Paul Hamm is remembered as the American gymnast to, uh, to win gold with an amazing score, 9.837. On the high bars, he, uh, he, he won the event, but he, he won by the smallest margin of ever, 0.012. And, and I want you, we've got the Olympics on our minds. This might take you back. It'll give you a memory. I want you to uh, look at this. We all enjoy watching somebody win, watching a champion. I want you to watch this video, and maybe you'll go back in your mind's eye to when you remember watching this on TV, if you were around at that time, okay? If he could pull a medal out of this, it would be an amazing comeback. Well, it was high bar a year ago that he was flawless to win the world all-around title. He'll have to do that one more time and even be better. Three releases right here.
was pretty awesome. I mean, I could not have done better myself. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> he won it. He won the gold. And we look at a moment like that and, and uh, we say, boy, that's got to be something, the feeling, the emotion, to win. Let me tell you what's impressive to me when my mind goes back to that memory. What's impressive to me is what happened right before the previous event. What happened right before he won the gold? And to put it in perspective with what we're studying today, I want you to watch this video. This is what happened right before the gold medal was won. It's a good one. Oh, no good. He's on the judges' table. And that's going to blow it for him. Oh, my goodness. All sorts of problems there. And that Olympic title has to be in serious doubt now. He's going along through a series of competitions and people are saying he's, he's looking good, he can win, and then all at once he has a fall. And if you're going to fall, how many of you would agree that the judges table is probably not the best place to do that? And all of a sudden people are writing him off, he's blown it, he's, he's not going to win. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, but now he can't, won't. And what we see is in the, in the midst of this difficult time for him, he could have checked out mentally. That could have been the end for him. That could have been the last time he, he went for the gold, so to speak. I, I cannot imagine what had to have happened in that guy's mind in between that event and the event that we watched first when he won the gold medal. I mean, psychologically, that guy's some kind of tough. I, I can imagine he could do a lot of push-ups, a guy like that, but I think the strength in between his ears has got to be far beyond any strength anywhere else on his body. To have a colossal collapse like that and get up from it, forget that which is behind, and press toward the mark, in his case, the mark was a gold medal. Now listen, maybe you're here today and you've had that gold medal experience in your life. You landed and were able to put your hands up and celebrate what you had accomplished. That's great. Maybe you're here today and you're coming off a colossal fall in your life where with everybody watching, you fell and you, you fell into the, the scorer's table and, and it was something you thought would never happen and you wish would never happen. But, but maybe you're here today, listen, whether it's the great victory or it's the great defeat, what I'm saying is this, there comes a time in our lives where we need to say, you know something, I'm going to forget the things that are behind. I don't know what great victories or gut-wrenching defeats you've experienced experience, but I do know the race of your life is not over, and now would be a great time to get your head back in the race. Say, whatever happened back there, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever the case, I've got another event coming up. I've got more steps in front of me. There was a purpose that is apparent here, but I want us to consider finally today a progress that is appreciated a progress that is appreciated. I love the way Paul said, I press toward the mark. It was a mindset that recognized in his lifetime he would never arrive. We'll never be perfect. We can press in that direction, however. And there's got to be an appreciation for growth. Let me tell you something about your life and mine. God is far more interested in the direction of our life than how fast we're going in life. And Paul was able to say, I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm moving along. Uh, I, I'm making progress here. It was appreciated. He was, he was grateful to see what it was that was happening there. There is a tangible progress to be made in your life and in mine. When the Cuban cellist Pablo Casals turned 95, a reporter asked him, Mr. Casals, you're the greatest cellist in the world today, and you're 95, and yet you practice six hours a day. Why do you do that? The response by, by this renowned cellist was this, because I think I'm still making progress. You're 95 years old. 
There's not an equal on earth when it comes to the talent you have, and yet you're practicing six hours a day. Why would you do that? He said, well, I think I'm getting better. You see, that's the attitude. That's the mindset I'm talking about. And as we bring that by way of analogy into our Christian lives, we need to understand, listen, we can progress. We can move forward. We can see great things happening for God in our lives. There needs to be a commitment in life to forging ahead by faith. The writer of Hebrews said this, Wherefore, seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says just lay that stuff aside because you can make those steps. I remember spending time with my granddad in the Rocky Mountains and we were driving. It was very, very wet and rainy that day. And normally my granddad was the driver, but he let me drive. And, and why this came to mind as I was studying this, I'm not sure. But I, I can remember it just like it was yesterday. I know exactly where we were. And as the mud was getting thicker, we started sinking in and squirreling around. And I remember my granddad said, honey, just keep going. And uh, my granddad was a big, tough guy. He called me Honey a lot, and I think he did that because he frequently forgot my name. Okay? And uh, so he'd say, Honey, just keep it going. What was he saying? He was saying, Look, you're in a position here where if you come to a stop, you may not get it going again. You could sink this thing up to the axles. That's the end of our day. That's the end of what we've got going on. But if you can keep it going in the right direction, in a sustainable pace, that's a good thing. Appreciate the progress. Listen. None of us are exactly who we wish we were, but thank God many can say we're not who we used to be. There's a progress coming along. You say, I wish it would all happen overnight. Yeah, I do too, but God has chosen to to build us as we follow Him, as we're pressing toward the mark, as we're following Him. We're going to see that progress can come to our lives. He can develop us. He can grow us. The idea in press contains an understanding that you're pressing forward. But as I began to look into this word and study it, a definition deals with pursuing something. It means to follow closely after something. And Paul said, you know, in my life I can press because the object of my pressing, the mark to which I'm pressing, is worth it. For Paul, the mark was Jesus Christ. It's worth it. I can press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm glad to tell you the point will come in every believer's life. When I started, I said, maybe you're here today and you're not a believer, and I'm directing much of what I'm saying to believers today. There will come a time in every believer's life, those who have a certainty of a relationship with God, where our race will be done. And I mean by that, our physical life will have been spent. Maybe that'll be by way of the high calling in the sense of the rapture, where God can say your race is done. Now you've arrived. Maybe it'll be by way just of of, of we've lived a long life and and our physical life comes to an end by way of death and and God can say, uh, your race is over, you've arrived now. But the encouragement in this text is with all of our life, let's press toward the mark. I remember when our girls were little, uh, they'd start to toddle around, you know, and that's always an exciting time. And as a dad, I don't know why I was so excited for them to do the next big thing, because now I wish they'd stop doing things and just hang around a whole lot more. But, you know, when they're little, you just, you just want to see what tricks you can teach them. And, and I remember they'd pull their little bodies up beside the coffee table, and, you know, it's both hands, and then it's one hand, and it's one hand in a cracker. And then it's one hand, a cracker in the mouth, and a sippy cup, and you know the routine. 
And I remember watching them go through this. And I'm thinking, these, these guys are getting ready to walk. This is good. And I was excited about that. And, and I can remember in time, you know, I'd, I'd sit them up there and then I'd, I'd step back a little bit. And, and I'd sit there and I'd go, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Uh, you're a chip off the old block. I know whose kids you are. You can do this. Now you just walk. Walk now. You Come on, you can do it. I believe in you. And, and I'd encourage them. And I love to have that kind of a picture when I relate it to our Heavenly Father in terms of the race of our lives as He's ever out in front of us and He's saying, come on now. You can do it. Now I know He runs the race with us as well. Forgive me, analogies aren't perfect. But I love the picture of a Heavenly Father who says, Look, you can press. I'm the mark. You're pressing towards me. You're drawing close to me. You can do this. I know there are times you want to quit. And I know there are times the, the discouragement comes. And I know there are times where a great success leads to a little complacency or a great failure leads to great discouragement. But God is there saying, Come on, you can do this. I believe in you. Keep walking. And that's the message the Apostle Paul brings to us today. Press toward the mark. Press means to pursue after something. Progress is being made as you're yielding. God's ahead of us with His arms open and cheering us on. He wants us to press toward the mark. He tells us, run that you might obtain. Run to win. He tells us, faint not. In the midst of your well-doing, faint not. And He says, just keep pressing toward that mark. Above all else, this one thing, just... Forget the past and press toward the mark. I'm going to ask everyone just to stand with me today. And What's so beautiful about the Word of God, it's a timeless book. It's totally relevant. There's not one person today who could say, you know, Pastor, those verses are nice, but yeah, I didn't need any of that. We all need this. And where you're at in the course of your journey, again, is, is a little irrelevant. We need to understand where we are and say, all right, God, what does this passage mean for me today? What does it mean for me today? Listen, some of you, you fell into the judge's table. And in your mind, you've limited your opportunities in the future because of something in the past. We have a God of recovery. You've got another event coming. I'm not washing over or glamorizing the, the fall, but I'm saying, if there's another step ahead of you, this race is not done. Today would be a great day to get your head back in the race. Maybe today it's that success in the past. Kind of like the Apostle Paul earlier when he talked about who he was and what all he'd done and he kind of had a hey, look at me attitude. Maybe today would be a great day to say, God, listen, nothing good comes from me without you. I want to live for you. Now I started, I mentioned in the middle and I talked in the end about those here today and you don't know for sure you have a relationship with God that will last forever. You don't have the assurance of the forgiveness of sins and the assurance of a home in heaven. Well, that assurance won't come by way of a preacher or by way of a church, but it can come from God. And we're going to have a time in our service now where we're just going to have an opportunity to sing a song to the Lord. If you know it, you can sing along if you'd like to. But this is a time where we can say, Lord, not only have I heard from you today through your word, but you can now hear from me through prayer. That's what the end of a service in the front of a church is about. Maybe today you just want to bend a knee. Lord, help me to get up from this fall. Lord, help me to get up from this success. Maybe today there's a spiritual decision in your life. There are going to be men and ladies in the front with their copy of God's Word. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, they're available to do that. And again, friend, if you're here today and you don't know for sure, you don't know for sure if you're to die today and go to heaven, you can know that. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5.13 that we can know that we have eternal life. And uh, I'll be in the front with others if you'd like someone to show you. As the singing begins, I'll invite you to come. And if there's a need in your life or you want to spend a moment in prayer, now's the time for that.
Jesus.